Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Here's, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about spiritual erosion today. And um, watching that clip, I started getting enthralled, right? So um, anytime I watch something that piques my interest, I go to YouTube and start watching more and more and more of it, right? I go down that wormhole. Many of you do the same thing, right? Um, and so I started watching more news stories on this, and there were a lot of people that refused to leave the apartment complex. Like, with the ground falling down, they're going to sleep there. And I know there's some of you that you can sleep through anything, right? A tornado rips through your house, and you're like, what tornado? I was totally asleep, right? I, there's no way in the world I could ever, ever sleep in an apartment that's about to fall off a cliff, right? And this is just another reason of why I would never live in California. Just one of the many, one of the many, right? So Oklahoma isn't all that bad. Uh, but today we're in a series called, uh, about Solomon, titled, The Wisest Who Never Was. The Wisest Who Never Was. And I love what Charles Swindoll says in his book, Study, about Solomon. He says this, wisdom, loyalty, diplomacy, faithfulness, and efficiency characterize the attitudes and acts of David's gifted son for the first few years of his kingship. Best of all, Solomon loved the Lord according to 1 Kings 3.3 and carefully walked in his ways. His achievements, powers, international influence, and wealth were nothing short of phenomenal. Solomon was blessed with royal blood and an abundance of brains. Solomon was a natural for the throne. He was tutored at the feet of Nathan, groomed through the heart of Bathsheba, polished under the eyes of David, and matured by the hand of God. The mark of excellence was upon him, right? And, and so this is how Solomon starts off. And, and we talked about in our first week of this that, man, there's a lot that Solomon did well. And yet, 1 Kings 11, verse 1 says this. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, right? It wasn't like up for an option, like this is clear instructions. You must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet... Solomon insisted on loving them anyways, right? I can't help but love you, girl, right? <laughs> he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. That's a lot. <laughs> and in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. And in Solomon's old age, it's one of the saddest scriptures in all the Bible. 
In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Here's, here's, here's this. Here's this. I don't know how much I'm going to get to my notes today because I've been unpacking and trying to pull away from the sermon and pull away. I've got so much. Like Solomon was the man. He had all the talent, all the ability, all the fame. He was phenomenal. Um, For some of you football people, um, some of you old football people, some of you will remember a guy named Marcus Dupree that played for OU. Um, Some of you are like, like 10 of us are nodding our head, right? He was one of the most talented high school athletes to ever play at the University of Oklahoma as a running back and he threw it all away, right? He was talented, he was gifted, and he threw it all away. And here's why I'm telling you this. You and I know so many people in our lives that have fame, they have fortune, they've got, they've got wisdom, they've got knowledge, and yet they are absolutely missing the mark in their life, right? They, they have everything you could ever want, and yet they have nothing at all because they're not living their life in a wise way. Why? What has happening? Just like that cliff in that apartment complex that is living on a cliff and it's slowly eroding away, there is something that I like to call spiritual erosion that happens in almost every follower of Christ's life. It just happens. And if we aren't careful, And if we aren't aware, and if we aren't proactive, here's what I'm going to tell you. Your life is going to look just like that apartment complex that you saw, the ground crumbling underneath, because we weren't proactive in an area of life that affects every one of us in this place and watching online. This is something that is applicable to every single one of us. And if we don't, if we just choose to ignore it and say it's not going to happen to us, it's not going to get any better. Now, if you were to define erosion, it is defined as this. It is a natural process that, cr- that gravity creates. As dirt is loosened, it slowly gets pulled away and downward to fall to the lowest point possible. It doesn't just fall a little bit, it falls all the way. So if erosion is a natural process that gravity creates, let me define spiritual erosion as this. Spiritual erosion is a process that complacency creates. The complacency creates. And I'm just going to be super, super transparent today. This is something that a lot of us struggle with. We've gotten complacent in our walk with the Lord. We've gotten bored with following Jesus Christ. We've gotten lackadaisical, lazy, whatever words you want to use It's happening, and it happens to a lot of churches in the United States. We just get very complacent, and we don't realize that spiritual erosion is happening to our life until it's almost too late. And so today, I'm hoping, this is my hope, is that this is a wake-up moment for every single one of us in this place and watching online. 
that, that there would be this wake-up moment and we would be alert. I remember when Chloe, my youngest daughter, played soccer and she was the goalie for soccer team, right? And if you're goalie, her team was really good so the ball was never on her end. And so she got super bored. And all I would do was stand down by the goal every game. Like when she would switch sides, I would walk to this side, right? And when the ball would start coming, Chloe was oblivious of what was going on. I would be like, Chloe, ready, ready. And Chloe would jump into action and she was like ready to go, right? This is a ready, ready moment your pastor is doing for you today, right? I'm like, hey, everybody, ready, ready. And hopefully this happens and this goes on because somebody who is way wiser than you and me, somebody who was way richer than you and me, somebody who had way more knowledge, was way more gifted, was way more talented than you and me, was a wise person who never lived in a wise biblical way, all because of spiritual erosion. And here's, here's what I would tell you first. Here's, here's, what, here's how spiritual erosion starts to creep in and starts to happen. When you stop doing what you know you should, it's not long until you start doing what you know you shouldn't. Right? It's our first point today. When you start doing, stop doing what you know you should, it's not long until you start doing what you know you shouldn't. I hope this burns inside your brain right now, right? Like when we stop doing what we know is right, it's not that all of a sudden there's a landslide of, of, of our morals. It's not like there's this landslide of our life. Do you know more erosion happens on a more regular, more, more land is lost due to erosion than landslides and mudslides combined? It's just slow, it's tricky, right? It just slowly happens. It's a slow fade, right? That's how I've heard a lot of people describe falling away from the Lord. It's just a slow fade. And some of us, just like Solomon, we are in danger of having a slow fade happen. And it happens when we stop doing what we know. Like we, the majority, I would say 95% of us, because some of us were just heathens out there, and that's great. I'm glad you're here, right? But 95% of you, like, you don't need me to tell you what is right. We, we instinctively know what's right from wrong. Problem is, we just stop doing what is right, and it's not long when we stop doing what is right that we start engaging just a little bit. We start moving the line just a little bit. And we start engaging in what we know we shouldn't. Three signs that spiritual erosion is occurring in your life, that you are starting to see spiritual erosion occurring. The first one is this. If it was never an option, if what was never an option you find yourself doing now, erosion has occurred. If what was never an option for you, you find yourself doing now, spiritual erosion has occurred in your life in your walk. Can I tell you, here, here's the truth. Just because you know better doesn't mean that you're going to do better, right? Just because you know better doesn't ensure that you're going to, I wish it did, because we would all be like saints in here. Just because you know better doesn't mean, doesn't ensure that you're going to do better. And some of us, the simple reality is this, you're doing things that you never would have done before. You're talking in ways that you never would have talked. Like, 
let me, let me take us back. Like, if I had a DeLorean up here, we would be in a time machine, right? Like, we'd go back, back in time here for a second and, and take us back for just, remember when you first got saved. Remember when you were really passionate about the Lord, right? And, and you were following with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. I mean, you were in the Bible. You were reading the Bible. You were engaged. You were going to church. You were worshiping. You weren't missing. You were talking to other people about it. And now... What's happened? Now you're starting to do things, you're starting to watch things you never would have watched before. You're starting to go on websites that you never would have gone. You're starting to talk about people, say things that you know you, you, know you shouldn't. And you're starting to engage in activity. You're starting to do things that while you hope nobody finds out, you're like, eh, okay. I tell you, spiritual erosion has happened. Second thing is this, how you know spiritual erosion is happening in your life. If you're numb to what used to convict and bother you, spiritual erosion has occurred. If there's no longer conviction, and hear me, today I want us to separate something. Conviction is not the same as condemnation. Right? Condemnation comes from trying to follow religion and a set of rules. That's not what I'm talking about because God doesn't work to make you feel condemned and make you feel bad and make you feel guilty that leads to shame. No, no, no. Guilty, guilty leads to shame. Condemnation leads to shame. The way that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life, he wants to convict you that leads to change. There's a big, big difference. So today, I'm not talking about being a church person. I'm not talking about being a religious person. I'm talking about being a follower of Christ person, right? And if conviction is absent from your heart, like when you are engaging in things that aren't wrong and you no longer feel convicted, man, there should be some red, ready, ready, right? There should be some red massive flags going up in your life because there's erosion that has happened, and here's a crazy thing, you haven't even noticed. The third thing is this, if you are more busy using phrases to justify and excuse your life than continuing to change your life, spiritual erosion is occurring. Man, if we were as busy changing as we were excusing, we would change the world. Foundation Church, if we were as busy being changed by the power of God, and becoming the followers of Jesus Christ that he's called us to be, instead of excusing and justifying our actions, man, this world would be changed. But for a lot of us, we're too busy coming up with excuses to, 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 to excuse our behavior, to excuse our habits, to excuse the erosion that is happening. Let me give you a few excuses that happens when spiritual erosion happens. It's, we say this, I can handle it. right? I can handle it. And I'm sure Solomon, at some point said, hey, I got this. I am the wisest that there ever was. Do you know who you're talking to? I've written the book of Proverbs, right? One of my favorite books to read. In fact, I'm reading it right now. He wrote the book of Proverbs, but just because he knew what to do didn't mean that he, that didn't ensure that he did what he knew. And I'm sure there was a moment where he, Solomon was like, you know what, I can, I can handle it. I, I'm mature enough. I'm strong enough. I'm wise enough. I'm capable enough. But can I tell you, wisdom doesn't ever try to handle it in the first place. That's the wiser way to live. Second thing is this, it's not that big of a deal. No, if you're saying it's not that big of a deal, most of the time it's that big of a deal, right? Parents. 
When your teenager says it's not that big of a deal and it's a big deal to you, you lose your mind. Your eyes get as big as mine do. I mean, you start clapping in their hands, right? Like, well, let me tell you what else isn't a big of a deal. Your car's not a big of a deal. Your eating isn't that big of a deal. You getting a glass of water isn't a big deal. Your bed, your door, that's not a big of a deal, right? I mean, it's a, we minimize what we should be maximizing. And because we just minimize it, man, nothing is happening but erosion is occurring in our spiritual walk with the Lord. No, no, no. It is that big of a deal. Well, my situation's different, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not like everything else. I know what the Bible says, but me and God's got this whole different thing worked out. I, lo I love the excuse. Because what, what do you do when somebody plays the God card on you? You're like, okay, awesome, cool. I know nothing, right? Like, I'm just like, I know nothing, right? I just, but, but my situation, I, I, I know, I know, I know, but my situation is different. Can I tell you, these are phrases, these are things that the wisest that never were say. These are things that, people that are having spiritual erosion occurring in their life keep using and excusing. And there's this passage in Romans. And if you haven't read the book of Romans in a while, I would invite you to go back and read Romans. As Paul addresses the Rome, Roman culture, um, it is a culture that is very similar to ours, unfortunately, now. Because there's been a lot of compromise and there's been a lot of erosion to our morals. And in Romans chapter 1, I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but it is a phenomenal read. Um, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, yes, they knew God. Let's stop there for just a second. Our problem isn't that we don't know God, right? Our problem isn't that we don't like God. Our problem isn't that we don't love God. Our problem is that we're not good followers of God, right? We don't follow God like we should. So yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Hear me, we're going we're gonna to spend some time here for a second. We are a culture now that wants to make God fit into our habits, into our lifestyle, into our beliefs. Instead of making our lifestyle, our beliefs, our habits, our lives fit within the context of what Scripture says that He is. And if you want to come back at me, the Bible says this, that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? That His Word of God, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever, right? So if we come to a place where we're trying to make God fit into our context of who we want to be, here's what happens. As a result, their minds become dark and confused, and we have a lot of confusion going around of what God is exactly like. And I will tell you today, you just got to get into the Word and read what the Word of God says about God and who He is and what He is and that He doesn't change just because your situation does. I got to keep going. Claiming to be wise, right? They instead became utter fools. They were the wisest that never were. That they claimed that they had wisdom. 
Just because you know what to do doesn't ensure that you're going to do it, right? Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols. Made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And I would stop here for just a second. An idol is this. An idol is a person or thing that is greatly admired or something that you are seeking after more than your relationship with God. Some of us, we've got, we've just got idols, you're chasing a lifestyle more than you are a savior. It's your, it's your idol. You're chasing a house or a possession. If I just have this, if I just have that, if my kid's just this, then my life will be complete. And I want, no, 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 no. It's not, it's, and hear me, there's balance to this. It's not bad to have drive. Man, don't let it become the thing that you worship and the thing that you're idolizing, right? So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Another translation says, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And they traded the truth about God for a lie. Right? They traded the truth about God of what they knew was true of what they knew was right, right? They traded the truth about God for a lie. And here's what happens. They never addressed what was really wrong, so they never corrected what was really wrong. And whatever we fail to address, we fail to correct. Right? Whatever you fail to address, you hoping that it gets better without addressing it, without addressing the situation, isn't going to get it better. And so for us just to hope that our erosion will get better, right, isn't going to actually make it better. There's got to be a plan. Right now in my front yard, I have a place where erosion is happening in my front yard, and I didn't realize it. It's been going on for about six months, and I just thought it was like a gopher hole, right? So I thought this gopher was digging my front yard. I look at it, and I put my hand in there because that's what guys do. Like, what's in here? You know, there's a hole, right? Like, if you don't believe me, go to Frontier City and be, go to that part of the thing that says, don't look in here. And what does everybody do? They put their face down, and they look in the hole, right? That's what we do, right? And so I'm like, what? well, maybe it'll just go away. Maybe it'll just go away. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it won't get worse. The rains have come, the rains came down, the floods came up, right? The rains came down, the floods came up, and you know what's happened? It's gotten worse. And so I tried to throw some sand on it. I tried to do an easy fix, like, I'll just throw some sand here. Guess what? When the rains came, all the, I just washed away. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse until I am having to address it. I'm having to pay somebody to address it because I don't know what to do, right? So I'm having somebody address it and correct it because it's only going to get worse unless I take action to prevent it from getting worse. And the same thing's true with spiritual erosion in your life. Let's just saying, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. I'll, I'll get better, I'll get better, I'll get better. What you fail to address fails to get corrected. And we've got to get preventative about spiritual erosion. Just like when it comes to physical erosion, you have to take a plan and become active to keep it from continuing to happen. The same thing is true for you and I. So what do we do? It's this, is our lives have to be full of practice and obedience instead of laziness and excuses. Our lives have to be full of practice and obedience instead of laziness and excuses. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, it says this, everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. 
The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice, doesn't do it, right? You hear, but you don't do, right? Will be like a fool who built a house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell and was completely destroyed. And here's the danger. Some of us, we hear and we don't do. And the danger is this, is that everything you want the most is going to be completely destroyed. Why? Because it wasn't that you were failing to hear, it's that you were failing to do. Right? Here's where we're at in, in churches all across this nation. It's not that we don't hear the message. It's not that we don't know what to do. We hear it and we think about it, right? Be honest. We hear it and we contemplate it. Mm, that's really good. Maybe I should start doing that. When, when, when can I? We hear it and we wait for the right timing to start doing it. And Jesus, if we go back, he didn't say, everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice when it's a good time for you or when it makes sense for you, right? Or when you agree with me. No, no, no. He just says and puts it, does it, right? We hear and we don't do. And the wiser way for you and I to live, if we're not going to be the wisest that never was, is to hear and to do. And some of us, we're just excusing and we become lazy. We become spiritually lazy. And there, you look at your life and your life hasn't grown spiritually in the last year. There's no new habits. There's no new things that you are doing to firm up your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me say this. If the only spiritual nourishment you are getting to your walk with the Lord is Sunday mornings, you are missing it big time. Jesus has called you not to stay on the teat, right? Not to come in and and I'm just like, come on, who's the babies? Come on. You know, I'm just being honest right now. That's how Paul described it. This is not me, and I can't believe I just said teat on on the platform. Right? But that's what Paul says. You're still on spiritual milk instead of learning to eat for yourself. You're still breastfeeding when you should be picking up the fork, spoon, and knife and learning to feed yourself. I am not a battery to jumpstart you every week. Don't come in and expect to jumpstart and, well, that church isn't doing it for me, and that church isn't doing it for me. That church is dead. It's not that the church is dead. It's that we're dead, and we're not taking responsibility for our own relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're called to be disciples of him, and that means we imitate him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. We don't take a break from it. It's a total lifestyle and commitment that we do. That's what we're called to do, and that's what we're called to be. But many of us, we're just excusing, and we've gotten lazy. And I say this all the time. I've got to keep going. Dadgummit. Um, it's not that we have a problem with information. It's that we have a problem with application, right? And it's information plus application that equals transformation. That's what transforms your life. So let me give you some things that we need to be proactive in doing and being a part that will help keep spiritual erosion from happening in your life. The first one is this, you got to read your Bible. And I've hit this enough today. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, right? So that means you. So make sure that you're reading the Bible. Second thing is this, are you actively pursuing God's will for your life? Right? Are you actively pursuing his will? Or are you busy copying everybody else's 
behaviors and customs and society, and they're doing that, so I must need to do that. Our lives are supposed to look different. Our lives, even in this place, are supposed to look different. Nate Gormley's life and God's will for Nate Gormley is going to look different than my will and his plan for my life. God's purpose and plan for Daniel and Brandon is going to look different than God's purpose and will for my life. But what shouldn't be different is that some of us are pursuing the will and seeking the will of God, and some of us aren't. You know the biggest question that most Christians have is, what is the will of God for my life? What's the will of God? So many of us, we don't know the purpose and will of God for my life. Well, how do you find that out? You pray about it, you read, and you listen. You get quiet. And you let the Holy Spirit lead and direct your life. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That, that's what you and I are called to do. The third thing is this. You keep the right company. This, this is such a big, big deal. For teenagers, for college students, but grown adults. I have seen more grown adults fall off the cliff because they kept the wrong company than I have seen teenagers' parents. And as big as we are about our grandkids and our kids hanging out with the right people, hear me, you can't handle it, adult. You, you can't handle it. Bad company corrupts good character every, every time. And who you hang out with matters. We say it all the time. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? It's true. Who are you keeping coming? Who are you doing life with? Well. Justin, I don't know. I don't know where to find people. Well, give you a few things real quick. There's our connect groups that meet every week, every other week, once a month. There's our men's group that's meeting Tuesday morning men right here at 6.30. Donuts and Jesus. What's there to complain about, right? Like donuts and Jesus, 6.30 in the morning on Tuesday right here. Women, we've got like 10,000 women's groups meeting right now all over Tulsa, right? Like, and, and we want to say, well, the church just doesn't, the church, hear, hear me, once we get into our building in the fall, we're actually going to have a Wednesday night midweek FC service, right? So that we can connect and go a little bit deeper for the whole family and not just teenagers. Your teenagers have a service right here in Wednesday nights. Parents, it's important that you get your teenagers to Wednesday night's youth service because who they hang out with matters and they need people to sharpen them, not to agree with them. As iron sharpens all the iron, so one person sharpens another. It doesn't mean that they agree with them. It means that they make them better. And who's making you better? Who's sharpening you? Are they sharpening you or are they dulling you? Because people have a either or effect. Let me dive into something else. You need to be going to church. So, uh, I know this is a really sensitive topic, so I want to talk to all of our people watching online. Hear me and hear my heart. I love that you're tuning in online. I don't want you to feel ostracized. I don't want you to feel alienated. That is not my intent right now. If you have a compromised immune system, I get it. If you're in bad health, there's a lot of you that you've got bad back problems or you're traveling or you're out. And I love that this is a tool to where other people can check out or you can, you can, you can tune in and be a part of our online community and it's important and we love it. But it was never meant to be a substitute for the house of God. And, and here's why. Hear me. You can't serve from your sofa. You can't. And one of our core beliefs is that saved people serve people. Why? Because followers of Christ are contributors, not just consumers. That's it. And you need other people around you. 
There's something about being in the presence with other people. Hear me, I miss you, and our church body misses you. And I love what Tony Evans said. He said this, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough, and your relationship will be affected. And here's what I would tell you. Man, you need the church, and the church needs you. Right? You need the group of believers surrounding you to push you on, to agree with you, to see, to have community in. And man, some of us, we have just gotten used to a new norm, and we've just gotten used to a habit that was never meant to be a habit, right? And some of you, this is your come back to church message. Like, we want you to be back at church because who you surround yourself with matters. And the simple truth is, you're going everywhere else anyways, right? Like, come to first service. We got nobody there, right? Just come on with it. So, hear my heart. I I love you. This is not to, to minimize. I'm glad you're tuning in. But we want to see you here in person because who you hang out with and who you do life with matters. Here's what James chapter 4 verse 17 says this. He says, remember it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And most of the time we talk about sins of commission and not sins of omission. But can I tell you, when you start committing sins of omission and not doing what you know you ought to do, it leads to sins of commission that gets you engaging in what you know you shouldn't have done. And Solomon, the wisest that never was, he knew what he shouldn't have done. But you know what, he did it anyways. He he knew that he wasn't supposed to have 700 wives. (laughs) Ten's plenty, guys. I mean, but you know. (laughs) He knew that he wasn't supposed to have 300 concubines. Right? I mean, he knew, it states clearly that the Lord clearly instructed the Israelites. But here's what happened. He changed his standards so that it corresponded with his desires. And you and I have to be very careful that we do not change our standards so that it corresponds with our desires. Because here's what I'm convinced of. It's not that he just arrived there, I gotta stop, I could go all day. It's not... It's not that he just arrived there and there there was this massive landslide of choices. It's that he slowly got there over time. It started with him marrying Pharaoh's daughter from Egypt. And then it started with another. And then it started with another. And in his old age, right, wisdom doesn't always come with age. Sometimes you get old all by yourself. (laughs) And in his old age, when he should have known better, when he should have been leaving a legacy for his kids, and we'll talk about that next week, how to leave a legacy behind you. Instead of that being it, his heart was turned away to serve other gods. And what man that started off as a humble, wise king ended up living as a vain fool. And Jesus says this, it's not just enough for you to know it, but hear it and do it because that's a better way for you to live. And if you don't hear and if you don't do, you're not just fooling yourself, but Jesus would say this, you're living your life like a fool. And your life, one day, it may not be right away, I am a huge, huge, I'm convinced of this. Over time is way more of a threat to us 
then all of a sudden. Right? For the majority of us in here, over time, just slow spiritual erosion is something that's going to happen to most of us, then all of a sudden we just walk away from it all. And if you will keep applying the words that Jesus instructs us on how to live, that's the best way to live your life so that you can truly live it out with wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for today, and I thank you for your patience, and I thank you for your goodness with us. But Lord, I pray today would be a ready, ready moment. A day that we just, we get real honest about where are we. Some of us, we've gotten really complacent. And the problem with erosion is this. It's just as natural erosion takes, you, takes that dirt and that ground to the lowest point possible. That's what spiritual erosion does with our dreams, with our desires, with our future. And it sneaks up on us. And it happens over time and we become a little bit more numb and we become a little bit more callous. And so Lord, I pray, God, let us be hearers of your word today. And don't just let us hear information, but let there be application. Let us do it. Let us do what you're speaking to us. Not because you are against us, but Lord, it's the exact opposite. Because you are for us and you want what's best for us. Your word says you came that we may have life and have it to the full. And if we're going to experience that full life, we can't just know your word. We got to do it. We can't just be hearers and thinkers and contemplators and waiting for the right time. Lord, we hear it and we do it. That there's obedience and practice instead of excuses and laziness because we can excuse our way all the way to erosion, all the way to losing what we wanted most. And we'll have a great excuse for why we got there. But that doesn't have to be our life. So God, let this be a wake up moment for us. And let us take some preventative action. Don't let us be afraid to address it. Don't let us be afraid to confront it. But let us confront so that it gets corrected. Let us address it so that it gets corrected. Because you want what's best for us. So let us do our part to live this full and abundant life. With heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you're here. And you say, Justin, I'm here today. And man, if I'm really honest, there's been an erosion that's been happening in my spiritual walk with the Lord for a long time, and I'm just not where I should be. And I need to recommit my life to Him. Maybe you got everybody fooled. Maybe you're taking a look and really haven't looked at your life, but you're like, man, I, I, I need to come back home. I need to recommit my life. Maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. What's going to happen in just a few moments? I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. So if that's you, when I count to three, heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, raise your hand when I get to three. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say, Justin, that's me? Yeah. Yeah. You join these two hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else that, that is in this place? You say, Justin, that's just me today. Yep, I got you. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted before. Yep, I got you. 
Four. Is there anyone else? You join these four individuals that raise their hand today. And you just say, Justin, that's, yep. Is there anyone else? You join these five hands that are lifted. Before we go any further, man, you may be at home watching online, and that's you. I would just encourage you to raise your hand and experience the life change Jesus has for you right in your home, right wherever you are. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? You just join these five hands that are lifted before we go any further in service today. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today, and I confess that I've sinned. I confess I've messed up. And that where I'm at, it's not where I should be. And so I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it. And I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.